The views and opinions expressed today on Black Focus Radio are not the views and opinions of the station, its management, or its advertisers. Now, let's get ready to focus on our issues, our solutions, using our voices on Black Focus Radio. Welcome to Black Focus, the show designed with our community in mind, where we focus on our issues, developing our solutions, using our voices. Central Arkansas, surrounding areas, and the nation. Get ready. Black Focus starts right now. Phone lines open at 855-525-5683. So here's your host, David W. Coleman and Robert Webb. All right, what's happening? We are here. Welcome to Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices. 855-525-5683 is the number. That's how you get in touch with us. If you want to join the show, we're here every Monday through Friday, noon to 2 p.m. You can go out to joinnetradio.com and download the app if you so, so see it. And, of course, uh, you can catch us on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, we're out there. Just search for Black Focus Radio. It's to the point now when I t- tell people about the show, I just tell them, go out on the platform and search for Black Focus Radio. And also, if you miss any part of the show, uh, then you can download the show. Okay? So we've got a great show lined up for you. All right, I'm going to tell you right off the bat. You know, right uh, uh, coming up about twelve thirty, we're going to go out and talk talk to Jornette's top model, Ferranda Brassfield. She's going to be on the show. We're going to address this issue. Hadn't talked much about it. You know, the uh, the infection rate for COVID nineteen is moving up here in Arkansas. And one thing that we had not been talking about is um, what's going on in the prisons. And Ferranda has been doing a great, great job. I've been watching as she's been posting stuff. And there was an interesting article that came out in the Arkansas Times that I want to address. So I, I thought I'd go ahead and reach out to Ferranda and see what we can do as far as, as, as addressing this issue as it relates to COVID-19. Because as I've told you, and well, it's not that I've told you, it's just a matter of uh, as you see this thing happening, you know more and more and more that uh, Arkansans are going to get hit. Now, how badly they get hit, we don't know. Hopefully it won't be bad at all, but as you all well know, uh, we've lost a dear – I've lost a dear friend, and and many of y'all knew him as a Razorback, but I knew him as a friend, Richard Richardson. So as this thing continues to spiral out of control – all I can tell you is good luck with that. So we're going to talk to Ferranda uh, about that issue uh, as well. Also, Patrick Oliver has been doing a, gr- a great job in providing us guests as he continues to celebrate his 23rd anniversary of Speak Loudly. And today is really no exception from uh, the young lady that he's going to 
uh, provide us today. And uh, uh, let me just tell you what her name is because uh, we're gonna uh, we're hoping that she's gonna spit. Her, her name is Jessica Care Moore, uh, and uh, she's an executive producer, uh, Black Women Rock, and CEO of More Black Press. Pretty cool. And uh, also, she's a poet. Uh, we want, and she wrote a book of poetry called We Want Our Bodies Back. So we're going to try to wrangle her in to try and and see if we can get her to spit a little bit on the show. I think you'll like it. I'm looking forward uh, to that as well. Uh, also, we want to talk a little bit about, are uh, we about to witness an Amity Island incident as everybody is being told it's safe to go back in the water? Now, if you don't know what Amity Island is, then your your pop culture movie references are way off. I'll explain all of that to you later on, okay? And wait a minute. Is that Larry, good old Larry Vaughn masquerading as the president of the United States? Now, do you know who Larry Vaughn is? You've got time to Google it real quickly. But I'm I'm beginning to wonder here, man. And I don't mean to laugh because this is a serious point, but we'll explain all of that here. Uh, in just a little bit. So that's what's on the agenda. I want to take a moment to shout out to all the grocery store employees. Hey, thanks for your commitment. Thanks for what you all do. Uh, nobody's really talking about you all, but uh, we wouldn't be living if it wasn't for you guys. And I, I saw a tragic story of a young lady who was working at a uh, grocery store over the weekend who died from uh, COVID-19. So uh, just sad all the way around. Also, I want to do a shout-out to all the certified nursing assistants, the C CNAs, who uh, we talk a lot about the doctors, we talk a lot about the nurses, but we rarely talk about the CNAs. Uh, these are the young men and women, and, I, and some are older, who basically clean your relatives. Let's be real about that, okay, in a lot of cases. They clean your relatives and they clean up after your relatives. So they are right in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. So we don't give enough love for them either. So I just want to shout out to them as well. Uh, Luther Vandross would have been celebrating his 69th birthday. Uh, so we might play a little Luther today. I know we're going to jam some Luther Saturday on the weekly sports magazine because we've got that format to set up to do because we play the best old school bumper music in the universe. Uh, and also, April 19th was a sad day in America as well. Uh, as you looked around and saw all of the right wing protesters and Donald Trump egging them on, just remember the Murrah Federal Building, April 19th, 1995. Okay. Thought I'd throw that out there. That's that's a sobering reminder. Okay? All right, so before we move forward, we got to do black facts. Dynamic black facts. Our culture, our history, our people. Isn't it amazing that now that we are going into doldrums as an economy, that all of this money has been found. You know, they told us 
there wasn't any money for reparations. Remember that. Now here's another reason why we should be getting reparations. Okay. Here's another reason. Anthony P. Crawford, the lynching of one of the richest black men in Abbeville, South Carolina. Let me read that again. Anthony P. Crawford. This is the story of the lynching of one of the richest black men in Abbeville, South Carolina. See, what you all don't understand and what I've been trying to relay to you is that many of the people who were lynched were business owners. And as we begin to see the full depth and breadth of the Chinese racism, we have to start empowering our business owners. Yes, we are going to talk about some Chinese racism, Asian racism today as well. Anthony Crawford was an African-American man killed by a lynch mob in Abbeville, South Carolina. Crawford was born early in the Reconstruction era, 1865. After the Civil War, Crawford's father became the owner of a modest acreage of cotton fields on the Little River, about seven miles west of Abbeville, which he worked with his son. Anthony was an ambitious and literate child who routinely walked seven miles to school in Abbeville. Crawford inherited the land on his father's death, which he increased by substantial, substantial land purchases in 83, 88, and 1999, and, excuse me, 1899 and 1903. In the mid or late 1890s, Crawford was co-founder of the Industrial Union of Abbeville County, which was devoted to the material, moral, and intellectual advancement of colored people. He was the father of 12 sons and four daughters. By 1916, his land holdings had expanded to 427 acres, as much as 600, according to some sources. Many of Crawford's children had settled on plots adjoining that of their father, with a net worth of approximately, approximately twenty to $25,000 in 1916. Crawford was without doubt one of the richest men in Abbeville. <laughs> Crawford was also known for his refusal to tolerate disrespect or defiance of any form. Once he was, once when he was, when his church's preacher delivered a sermon decrying, decrying Crawford's meddling in church affairs, Crawford jumped out of his seat, struck the man, and fired him on the spot. This extended even to whites. The day a white man hits me is the day I die, he was quoted as having said to his children. After his death, the Charleston News and Courier, now the Post and Courier, described Crawford as rich for a Negro, and he was insolent along with it. On October 21st, 1916, Crawford was taking two loads of cotton and a load of seed into Abbeville and had a disagreement over the price of cotton seed 
with W.D. Barksdale, a white store owner. After Crawford left the store, one of Barksdale's employees followed him outside and hit him on the head with an axe handle. Crawford called for help, which drew the attention of the sheriff, R.M. Burtz. The officer arrested Crawford, most likely for his own protection, as a mob of angry whites was already beginning to accumulate. Crawford was held in the jail briefly and released later that day on a $15 bond. The police allowed him to exit from a side door, but the mob saw him anyway and pursued him into a cotton mill nearby where Crawford took shelter in the boiler room. A salesman named McKinney Can entered the boiler room after Crawford and Crawford grabbing a hammer from some of the tools knocked the man unconscious. Although mill workers attempted to stop it, Crawford was stabbed and severely beaten by the mob. Sheriff R.M. Burtz appeared and arrested Crawford once more, much to the chagrin of the mob of whites. The sheriff could only get Crawford away from the mob by promising to to the brothers of Can that he would not try to sneak Crawford out of town before the full extent of McKinney Can's injuries was known. As it happened, Can was not badly hurt, although Crawford was. He was treated by a physician, C.C. Gamble, who also happened to be the mayor of Abbeville and also happened to be a relative of a man named James Rogers who had been shot in December 1905 during an altercation with Crawford's sons. Gamble announced that Crawford would likely die from its wounds. The fear that Crawford might die before the mob could get him get him collided with the fear that the sheriff might spirit him out of town and at 3 p.m. around 200 white men besieged the jail captured and disarmed Sheriff Burtz and abducted Crawford. Crawford was dragged through the black section of town with a rope around his neck. The mob then stole a lumber wagon from a black driver and used it to take Crawford to a fairground nearby. Crawford was handed, Crawford was hanged from a tree there. While armed whites used his body for target practice. The paper's headline the next day read, Negro strung up and shot to pieces. After dark, the county coroner, F.W.R. Nance, took a jury to the fairground and cut down Crawford's mutilated remains. The coroner found Crawford had died at the hands of parties unknown. South Carolina Governor Richard Irving Manning III was quick to denounce the murder. He ordered a full investigation of a crime of the crime by both Sheriff Burtz and state solicitor Robert Archer Cooper, exhorting them to hand down indictments of mob participants. Many Abbeville residents were held and questioned, including Can's three brothers, but it became increasingly apparent that no resident of Abbeville would testify against any member of the mob. Moreover, it would be virtually impossible to select an impartial jury from the ranks of the city. 
Manning called for the trial's venue to be moved to a different county, although nothing came of it. Meanwhile, a document purportedly written by members of the lynch mob themselves was published in the Abbeville Scimitar. We are, the res- we, are, we are all responsible for the condition that caused Crawford's death. Those involved might have gone too far, but they are white men and Crawford was black. The black must submit to white or the white will destroy. Let me read that again. The black must submit to white or the white will destroy. There were several hundred who participated in the lynching and nearly all the others were well-wishers. Therefore, to pick out a few to satisfy a newly imported mawkish sentiment is pitiful and cowardly. Men of Abbeville, the eyes of all white men are upon you. Acquit yourselves as white men. The conditions made by us by us all make us all responsible so let's not ask only eight to shoulder the whole burden answer a market sentiment generated by hypocrisy and craven fear within ringing verdict not guilty Whether or not this document was genuine is open to question. The publisher of the Scimitar, William Bull Moose Beard, was a white supremacist. Beard and his editorials in the Scimitar openly ridiculed Governor Manning's attempts to bring any members of the mob to trial, writing that Crawford's murder was inevitable and racially justified. Other newspapers in the area took a different tone, like the Press and and Banner, which pointed out, that by driving away cheap African-American labor, the lynch mobs were bankrupting South Carolina farmers. These two faucets of the debate were indicative of a growing schism in the South. Middle and upper-class whites were beginning to disprove of lynchings and the belief that lynch mobs were an expansive luxury the South could no longer afford was beginning to take root. In 2005, let me back up. In the primary of South Carolina's gubernatorial election in 1916, three months before Crawford's lynching, Manning had debated former governor and future senator of South Carolina, Coleman Livingston Blees of Abbeville. Blees was known for his racist rhetoric and, his, and he hurled invective at Manning's progressive approach toward race relations, claiming that this attitude had specifically incited a number of assaults by black men against white men and white women. In the primary, Blease overwhelmingly took Abbey, Abbeville County, but Manning narrowly won the state in a runoff election. An acolyte of Blease's, a young lawyer named Sam Adams, also made an unsuccessful run at state legislature. Perhaps to increase his local political fortunes, he bragged of his participation in the mob and even that it was he who had placed the rope around Crawford's neck. 
Adams even specifically asked William Beard to print in his paper the scimitar that Adams had been the ringleader of the group. In 2005, the 109th Congress of the United States Senate passed passed Resolution 39, which was a formal apology to to African Americans for Congress' failure to pass any kind of anti-lynching legislation despite 200 anti-lynching bills having been introduced to Congress. The resolution was issued before the descendants of Anthony Crawford, among other surviving descendants of lynching victims, and marked the first occasion that Congress had apologized to African Americans for any reason, whereas Congress had in the past apologized to other ethnic groups for actions of the United States. And that's our black fact for today. Keep listening to Black Focus Radio for more dynamic black facts, our culture, our history, our people on joinetradio.com. And if you would like to sponsor Dynamic Black Facts, give me a call, 615-554-0568. I'll hook you up with a very nice package and uh, get that advertising. Some of y'all are getting ready to go back in the water. You need to let people know you're going to be out there. Advertise right here on joinetradio.com. All right. Hey, Robert, how you doing, man? What's up, black man? You doing all right? How was your weekend? <laughs> it was a weekend, man. We What'd you do? We on lockdown. What can I do? No, you didn't go out and protest at the Capitol and ride around and blow your horn. Talk about how you don't tread on me. You want freedom. You can do that? No. I was waiting on you to pick me up. Mm, no, I'm not a right winger. Sorry. Sorry. Not a right winger. You know, there was something ironic about uh about what happened this weekend and all those right wingers running around. Uh, at the uh, capitals with their with their guns. You know what the irony is? What's that? Take a guess. I have no idea. Well, something tragic happened, and it's amazing how this country will let it just kind of have let it just kind of disappear. But on April 19th, 1995, at 9.02 a.m., the building, the Mirror Federal Building, was a target of right-wing terrorists. And if you remember the buildup prior to this, is you had Ruby Ridge, you had a lot of these right-wing terrorists running around talking about uh, the government and this, that, and the other. And the Mirror Federal Building happened. 168 people were murdered, including 19 children in a daycare. So as I thought about that this weekend and I saw these idiots running around, I couldn't help but to think, I hope every one of you all catch the damn virus. And I hope every one of you all die a miserable death. Damn, Dave, really? That was one of my personalities. (laughs) Damn, bro. I'm just saying. And then the fact that you had your president talking about liberate Michigan and liberate Virginia. Folks, I'm just going to say this. <sighs> Go get you a gun. 
coming up here. Out there, man. Come up here. Coming up here at twelve thirty. We're going to talk to Feronda Brassfield. Uh, she's been doing a lot of work on what's been going on in Commons. You know, uh, have you read the article in the Arkansas uh, Times? Uh-uh. Apparently, they fudging some numbers about the number of people who, number of inmates who's got the virus and the number of who have died. And they are not including those numbers in the overall numbers of Arkansas. Why not? Good question. So you're saying that we have people dying in correctional facilities in Arkansas. From the coronavirus. Yes. And they're not counting those deaths. They're not counting the ones in commons, apparently, according to the Arkansas, uh, the Arkansas Times. So did we, did anybody ask the governor what's up with that? Uh, No, that wasn't, that wasn't asked in the latest press conference that he had. I'm going to tell you, the media in this city sucks. They, you need to go to the, you need to start going to those the, press conferences. The, the media and, get your press credentials. You know, I, you know, it, it would be nice. I, you know, I've been thinking about it, but there is this media in this city has no guts whatsoever. That's pretty clear now, okay? Because this guy has been getting no one has even bothered to ask him, Mister Governor, that one hundred million dollar tax cut you gave to the top one percent. How did that affect your decision to leave the state of Arkansas open, considering that every day we get more and more numbers to tell us how many people have died from COVID-19 here in Arkansas? Nobody's asked that question. Why would you? Nobody wants to be called out, Dave. That's real media, by the way. Okay? What we do here is real media. Yeah, it makes you uncomfortable. It makes you, did he really, did Robert really say that? Did David really say that? Hell yeah. I don't say it. It's Dave, y'all. I never say bad stuff. Okay. Hey, Minister, Sister Fairchild, how you doing? Latanya, Jackie, how y'all doing? Appreciate y'all joining the show. I'm just saying, man. So we're going to talk to uh, Feronda. I call her uh, Black Focus Radio, Rose. Uh, top model. Who is that? Feronda Brassville. Oh, okay. Remember, she was on America's Top Model. Mm. You don't remember that? I told you I don't watch it. You talking about the lady that came in that was uh, yeah. yeah working on the case in Jacksonville? Yeah, right, she's right, like right. she's like a superstar. Yeah, she is. Yeah, because y'all had like this whole little girl party when she was here. Don't hate because we vibed and you didn't, bro. <sighs> don't hate. Why you gonna do that, man? I'm hate, man. Yeah, I had a girl party. I was up there painting fingernails and toenails and whatnot, doing hair. Mm. Guess I had a good time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Funny. <laughs> Funny. I know some right wingers who would get you. One. One. <laughs> Let's just remember. One. That bus is going to come back around. One for the home team player. All right. But anyway, we'll talk to Ferranda. So let's do this. Let's take a break. And uh, we'll get her on the line. We'll talk to her about 15 minutes and see what's on. And we need to follow up on the uh, the other case that, that took place. Remember the, uh, the case where the young man was killed by Asa? That's kind of went be under the radar as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. What's the- going on with that? We'll see if she can get us some news on that as well. So we'll take a quick. Well, I read an article said that they did. Re- they finally released the documents, right? Yeah, there I was an article that. released last week. In fact, I'm I'm looking for it as we speak, because uh, I know I posted it. 
Uh, but if not, we'll find it. We'll get the news. We'll get the, the low, the dirty low from all of that coming up here in just a moment. You're listening to Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices on joinetradio.com. time at Marco's. Hello to being a game changer, an original, and to those who make it authentic, we say hello with the Founder Select Pizza, Old World Pepperoni, Sliced Italian Sausage, Mushrooms, on dough made fresh every day, and a sauce from the original Giamarco recipe. Hello to an Old World original, every store, every day, the Italian way. Hello Primo. Did you know that 9 out of 10 people like chocolate? And the 10th person always lies. If you're that 10th person, guess what? We've got the special place for you. It's Coco Bell Chocolates. Coco Bell's handcrafted artisan products inspired by southern desserts for a nostalgic taste. For yourself or for the perfect gift, give us a call at 501-943-7570. That's Coco Bell Chocolates. Find out more about our direct services and ordering at CocoBellChocolates.com. Hey, have you heard of COVID-19? Yeah, but I heard black people can't get it, so I'm good. Well, that's absolutely not true. And everyone is at risk of getting and spreading COVID-19. I'm curious, what else have you heard? I'm almost embarrassed to say, but I hear if you spray bleach all over your body, you can kill the viruses that have already entered your body. Wow, that's also not true. Truth is, there's no way to kill the virus because there's currently no cure. What you can do is take preventative measures and wash your hands regularly. Practice social distancing, stay home if you're sick, and clean and disinfect frequently touched surfaces. Noted. One more thing. So if I get the flu shot, that won't stop me from getting COVID-19? Correct. The flu shot can protect you from the flu. If you do begin to develop symptoms of COVID-19 like fever, dry cough, shortness of breath, call your doctor and find out if you should get tested. For more ways on how you can protect yourself and your family from COVID-19, visit ARMinorityHealth.com. Arkansas Minority Health Commission. Your health, our priority. Hey folks, are you looking for a place to exchange ideas and talk about the issues that affect our community? Then join me, David W. Coleman, and my co-host, Robert Webb, for Black Focus Radio every Monday through Friday, noon to 2 p.m. on joinatradio.com. We like to say, it's our issues, our solutions, our voices. Download the latest podcast on your favorite platform. Also catch us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. That's Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices on joinatradio.com. All right, welcome back to the show, David W. Coleman, along with Robert Webb. It's called Black Focus Radio, our issues, our solutions, our voices. 
1-800-636-8383 is the number. You know, the state of Arkansas has made headlines over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, if I had to, you know, I don't know this for sure, but if Mayor Frank Scott could could uh, be honest with me and tell me how he felt about the governor and this him not locking down Arkansas, I think he'd be pissed. <laughs> I'm just saying. Maybe uh, maybe we should call him in. Why don't you call him, man, and have him call we're, him we're, in? We're, we're efforting to get the mayor on. We'll talk ah, to him. I forgot to yeah. – I meant to call and get uh, Assistant Chief Allison Falk in tomorrow, and I okay. forgot to do it. Uh, we'll, so we'll, we'll see. Later in the okay, week. that's yeah. cool. That's cool. But either way, there was an interesting article that was posted in the Arkansas Times, and I know, Robert, you don't like the Arkansas Times. I don't give a sh- I don't care for the Arkansas. But it's it's really it's really the best piece of news that Arkansas has, to be totally honest, because that rag Democrat Gazette ain't giving you nothing. Why is it the best news? Uh, because at least it does dare to address some issues. That rag the Democrat there no Gazette. Black, there are no black journalists. Okay, over there. I understand all that, but at least it tries to address some issues. I don't care about what issues. Okay, Robert, keep, keep you look, keep your little personal. We got guests. This ain't personal. We, don't don't it's be getting truth. mad. It's the truth. Okay, it's the truth. Don't be getting sassy. Oh, you trying to? Oh, you want to be nice because you got America's we got a guest top model yeah. on this. Place. Yeah, we've got join that top model on. Oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we've got Ferranda Brassville on. She has been doing yeoman's work out in the community as it relates to uh, death penalty. Uh, what's going on in Commons? And I've been noticing that she's been posting. Uh, I guess every day, Ferranda, the the death total of uh, the inmates uh, around the state of Arkansas. And I found it interesting, as I read that article uh, in the Arkansas Times, that it's it's a bit peculiar that the governor is not including the deaths of inmates uh, in the tally as it relates to the total deaths of people who have died from COVID nineteen here in the state of Arkansas. Is that what you understand? You know, I'm I'm very un- I'm unsure about what they are doing to be quite honest um to my knowledge there have not been any COVID related deaths in the prison to my knowledge um but there are many many cases and i do not believe based upon the governor's own words that they those cases are being counted in the state's total cases let me just read a little bit from this article the governor said that uh the state has now tested 1400 inmates in the 15 barracks at Commons Unit, almost 1,000 in the last two days. Of the 634 tested tests completed so far, 348 have tested positive with more results to come. Uh, he goes on to say it dwarfs what we're having statewide. He called that a reason not to include, now listen to this, I don't understand this logic, and, and maybe I'm not on that, on that logical plane that he is. He says, it dwarfs what we, we're having statewide. He called that a reason not to include the number for the prisons in the overall state total. He didn't explain further. He did not explain further, and, um, you know, I, that's why it leaves us with so many questions. Are, are we saying um, – um, as a state, that our inmates are not citizens, are we not counting them as humans? I'm unsure about that line of logic, and I hope that he will explain that today in today's press conference. Ferrando, why do you think that he's he's excluding this? Because 
I mean, you make the very valid point, and the obvious point is that these men and women are human, and then couple that with the fact that they are not overseeing themselves. The regular regular people who are from various communities are are working at this prison, and if they've got six what three hundred and forty eight positive tests, how many of those people that are overseeing them? may be asymptomatic and are going out in the community and infecting other people? You know, those are all good questions, and and they are questions for the governor, you know, because this has gotten way out of hand. I think that um, adding those numbers obviously would um, put a um, – it would change the story of, that they are telling us and telling the citizens of Arkansas that um, we're flattening the curve and um, we're not going up and we – you know, we need to stay open. Um, all of these things that are being told to citizens um, that I personally think are giving folks a false sense of security. Um, these numbers out of out of ADC are um, are to the contrary of what's being said. And and one thing is for certain, inmates don't leave the prison and come out into the community. So they are not the ones that are bringing it in there. You know, we've warehoused people, and now we're sprinkling COVID on them. And, um, you know, we've got to we've got to be responsible in our in our approach, in our response to this. I think you make an excellent point. Those inmates, you would have to assume that someone brought that in, whether it was a worker, whether it was a supply truck. Somebody had to bring it to those inmates. And that's to me, that's that's the frightening thing about it is the fact that if. If someone brought it in, was it a was it a trustee? Was it was it a worker? Was it the warden? You know, was it a guard? And now that person might be out in in his or her community, infecting other people. And you know, and I'm going to be honest, I don't have any numbers to back this up, but I don't think they're being honest with us about how many people are being infected uh, in this state. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, you know, the reports that we're getting from the, the Arkansas Department of Corrections and the reports that we're hearing from the governor during his press conferences, um, they're contrary to the reports that we're hearing from inmates that are actually in the middle of this um, pandemic inside of the prison. And, um, you know, I keep seeing that these inmates are asymptomatic, you know, that the, but, you know, the inmates are saying, that folks are laying in bed, cannot move, they have labored breath, that um, some individuals are throwing up all over themselves, that um, some individuals are are passing out, fainting, you know. And these are are widely held reports. I mean, everybody's telling the same story as far as the inmates goes, and um, it's just different than what the ADC is, is bringing to the public. So I'm unsure. I'm not in the prison. I can't say for certain, but it definitely gives me pause, and I have to... Um, I have to reconsider the information and question the information that's being given by the Department of Corrections because it's so different from what the inmates are saying. According to uh, Corrections Director Dexter Payne, six staff members have now tested positive uh, for the uh, for the virus. He said 16 members had been tested, mostly by their own physicians. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Tell me if this boggles your mind. Now, the number of inmates that have tested positive is 348. And they've only tested 
16 of the staff members? Does, do you follow that logic at all? I don't follow any of this logic, to be honest. And, you know, with him saying that most of those folks were tested by their own physicians, it, it leads me to believe that the Department of Corrections really doesn't have a system or plan for testing the guards that are coming in and um, exposing these inmates to COVID-19. Yeah, that that's certainly what it sounds like to me as well. He goes on to say the overall case count today, I guess this is for Arkansas, is up 42 from uh, from 1739 to uh, 1781. Uh, but it's, it's of its limited meaning without the inclusion of present numbers. So if you if these that 1781 apparently doesn't include that 3000 that 384 who have tested positive during the outbreak. And and here's the other thing uh Miss Brassfield the federal prison in Forest City and even the corrections uh, uh center here in Little Rock they haven't given us any numbers on whether or not people have died from those as as well. I don't think we've Hello, can anybody can you hear me? You see that, Veranda? The trans the transparency is just not there. Uh, you broke up. Say that again. The transparency is just not there. So are people going to these press conferences? Are, are are people advocating? Are attorneys there to be to to ask these tough questions? Because it seems to me that he's getting off scot free. It's almost like people are saying Okay, the governor said this. Whatever he said is true. Let's move on. Are you? That's the feeling that I'm getting. Well, you know, I don't have a press pass. Um, these are, are press conferences that are uh, restricted to individuals and members of the media. Um, I would um, hope that some of the media members would um, would hold the governor's feet to the fire and get some um, and get some clarification on what all of this means because. The way that it's being presented to the uh, the Arkansas public, it just really makes no sense at all. Um, you know, right now with the numbers as they are, with 348, that's almost 20% of the Cummins prison population. And so, you know, when you think of in terms of numbers, 20% of the people so far are have tested positive for COVID, and then they still have over 800 tests that we've got to get the results for. This is monumental, and, and it's a shame. It really is a shame. And you certainly can't practice social distancing in commons. That's for sure. These folks are living in barracks. They're living um, at most two feet away from the next person's bed. Well, this is disconcerting to say the least. And, again, I want to appreciate your work on constantly keeping us updated on your, on your website about this information. And uh, we're going to keep our eye on this because – you know this. You know I I tend to believe that part of the reason he had he didn't shut down the state is that hundred million dollar tax cut he gave for the top one percent. But I'll I'll just keep that to myself. But uh, keep on uh, doing what you're doing. We really appreciate what you're doing out there in the community. And by the way, happy birthday! Thank you so much. You know I um I took a small reprieve for myself um for my birthday, and I did not post anything about. COVID-19 or anything else um, 
because yesterday was my birthday. I appreciate the acknowledgement. No problem. No problem at all. Hey, Ferranda, we'll stay in touch with you. Hey, appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your schedule today. Oh, by the way, before we let you go, one other quick quick question. Where are we on the Liddell Lee case right now? I thought I saw something last week where they had re- uh, released some information. Can you give us a quick update on what's going on with that? So at this time, um, there's, there are no updates about what the DNA evidence or the fingerprint evidence says. Um, you know, COVID-19 has put a, um, a stall on most things, and um, this, the, the information and DNA evidence has, is no different than a lot of the other things that are happening um, be, or not happening because um, we're dealing with this pandemic. But um, we hope to um, have some information. Now, the family of Liddell Lee has uh, filed a lawsuit in Pulaski County um, in regards to his his death. And so, you know, they will need that evidence and, or his execution. He did not die. Let me say that. He was killed by the state of Arkansas. So um, the family has filed a lawsuit um, in regards to what they deem as a, um, a wrongful execution. Well, hopefully we can get some more information out of that as we move forward here because, um, I mean, we discussed that obviously on the show and there are con- some some concerns to say the least. Hey, for Rhonda Brassfield, hey, tell people where you are, tell them about your practice and uh, so we can maybe get you some business down there. Well, thank you so much. You know, I'm still working with the Arkansas Coalition to abolish the death penalty. We're trying to abolish the death penalty in that practice in this state. Um, I also have a private law firm in Stuttgart, Arkansas. It is the law office of Florenza Brassfield. Um, we are practicing social distancing, but we are, are open and um, ready to meet the needs of the community. Um, FerrandaLaw.com is my website. So if anyone is, is needing to um, have legal, legal assistance, then FerrandaLaw.com, you can, um, you can reach out to us through that website. All right, Miss 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 Bradfield Brassfield, you have a great day. Thanks for joining the show, and we'll we'll be in touch, and uh, we'll we'll stay up to date on what's going on uh, with this stuff going down in comments. Okay. Thank you guys so much, and thank you for shedding light on the this and other issues. Hey, no problem. Peace, uh, sister. Uh, Ferranda Brassfield does a, does some great work out there. Really appreciate her. Uh, young, intelligent mind that can really get at it. You know, a lot of we old, we old folks, we kind of tired. We need to give up the ghost a little bit. Who, let some of these. Who are you talking about, man? I'm talking about you, Robert. Uh, <laughs> we need to give up the ghost sometime and let these young folks get in there and do their thing and just let them know that we got your back. You know, part of the problem that why this movement haven't moved forward is because there are too many old folks trying to hang on. Oh, yeah, I remember. No, go sit your ass down. Somewhere, huh? <laughs> Not going to happen. Not going to You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. we got to be, you know, we as black folks have got to understand that we have to leave a legacy. And that legacy is not just money, but that's knowledge. That's pathways. No, don't stop saying it. It's, it's money. We got to leave a legacy. I'd say not just. Money changes everything. I, I don't did, care what anybody tells you. I said not anybody just. Tells you, anybody who tells you money is money okay, is let me ask you evil is broke. What, 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 what good do I leave if you leave money if that money is not used consciously? If you got the money, 
the one the one great thing about money is when you got the money, everything else kind of works out. You, Especially when not, it comes to education question, and so. all that kind of stuff. You're it all kind of works question. out. You're not asking the question. What are you trying to? What, what, what trying good to is it to leave the money if they don't know what to do with it? Again, that's just what I said. So I said not just money, but knowledge and pathways. You understand that, don't you? Sir? I hear you, man. I hear you. Now, why are you trying to get at me today, man? Because I'm ready for you today. I'm, you know what it is? I've been thinking about giving you all weekend. It's 420. You know what oh, yeah, is. by the way. No, I ain't thinking about you. <laughs> hey, happy birthday, mom. I love you. My mom tuning in, man. I'm oh, 420? Right, yeah. She kicking it, right? <laughs> 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 no, nah, I, I don't think she's smoking today. She's okay, probably going to smoke something tomorrow. You know, it's funny. You, normally, you hear about it being 420. But with the pandemic, right? Nobody and uh, nobody, no, ain't nobody passing blunts now. Nah, ain't gonna happen. <laughs> Yo, man, you got to have your own, man. You got to, you got to have your own, dude. You can't hit mine. I'm telling you, eight five five. But what are your thoughts? I just that article it it perplexed me Which that one? people are dying from the pandemic. It's not uncommon. You know, it's not uncommon for things to happen for, for things to happen in prison and we not be privy to it. That's not uncommon. It usually takes some whistleblower to release that information to us. That is not uncommon. I wonder how many people are dying in nursing homes. Well, those numbers we do get, but do we? Yeah, I, I like to think so. I mean, how do we know? It, ben- it doesn't benefit the state anyway to hold back those numbers. It does for Asa. How so? Because that's his mantra. Oh, not many people are dying here, so we can leave the state open. You know, I, I, I tell you this. I mean, the guy is a Republican, but I will give him credit for this. I don't trust him as far as I, I can some, throw him. I think in some respects he has been really good at being tra- at trying to be transparent. He right? hasn't been transparent about this he's issue. Been, he's, I think he's been transparent here. I think he's doing – I think he's reporting what he's given. I can't because that's all I can say. I think he's reporting what he's given. If that information has not been shared with him, then he therefore he can't share it. But it's been shared. So you're saying that he knows do, – do we know how many deaths we've had in prisons? Yeah. How many? 384. 384 deaths? Yeah. Well, no, I'm sorry. 384 infections. Right. So we had – And it doesn't – let's see. Let me see. If people it, tested positive for the virus. Mm-hmm. Do we know how many of those 384 uh, Let's since, see. Uh, uh, and that was expired. a 1,400 inmates. Of the, it does not say – let's see whether the state includes 100. Just for me, man, I think he's it doing. Does a, not say. I think the, I think the governor's doing a very a very good job of trying to be transparent. Um, I do understand why he can't lock the state down. I totally understand it. Not saying not saying I agree or disagree with it. I'm just saying I totally understand it. Well, we've talked about that yeah, a lot here. You so. can't you can't lock down our state. I mean, we're already at a deficit. I called Scott Harden to try to get a to try to get. A, now you just threw that. You see how he just name dropped. So you know all these state. You know Robert in the know, man. He in the know. Who is who is Scott Harden? Robert. Scott Harden is the director of information for the state for the governor's okay. office. So I reached out to Scott. Wanted to get Scott to get us in touch with somebody who can give us information about the tax revenue we're losing and how this impacts us. Scott should forward. be able to tell you that. I don't want Scott. I want somebody who we can have a real conversation with, somebody who actually works the books. I don't want somebody who can tell me, well, we're probably losing a million dollars. I want somebody who can who can break it down for we're us. We're losing more than a million dollars. Yeah, I know, I know we're losing more than a million. I just want to, I just want to throw <laughs> yeah. a number out there. We're, 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 lo- we're losing way more than a million dollars. Yeah, the guy we actually want to talk to is John Shelnut. Mm-hmm. That's who we really want to talk to. Mm-hmm. That's the budget guy. That's the guy we want to have a conversation with, but – 
like I said, I called Scott Hart, and he's yet to call me back. So we'll see what's happening. And plus, with all this corona stuff going on, I figure it's going to be a little bit. If he doesn't call me back by tomorrow, I'll just call the governor. So we'll, we'll, we'll get it worked out. You got the governor's number, huh? Pardon me. I said I'll make a call to the governor. Did I say governor or governor's office? No, you said the governor. Governor's office. I'll make a Must be nice, bro. Uh, I would, I would give you a little doubt, but, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. hey, COVID-19, baby. But, hey, yeah, man. man. No, but seriously, I mean, I think, I, honestly, I think they're doing a good job. We just got to mm. see what happens. Mm. Well, <clears throat> the explosion is expected to take place. And if you notice, every day there are more and more deaths at Arkansas. They ain't going down every well, day. They said that we reach our peak. Our peak will be May 2nd. So mm. we still got, what, two weeks? Mm-hmm. Two, a so, week? So yeah. did you read a the article before. where in, uh, in the Philippines mm-hmm. the second wave is hit? Yeah. Well, we're going to have our second wave in September, October. I'm, I'm telling you, we are not having football. I think we'll have football. They're going to probably play the games mm. with no fans. Okay, so so that brings me in. We got a few minutes to go. You didn't listen to the show Saturday, did you? I didn't. Okay. So <clears throat> my <clears throat> one of the segments of the show, I talked about that. Okay. So if you are afraid that fans may get sick. I know what you're getting ready to say. Do I want my my son is superstar Johnny, Johnny okay. superstar? Okay. Do I want my son going out there playing? Because you think about it, just for football alone, you're gonna need you're gonna need each team is probably gonna field a hundred people. That that's coaches, that's you know uh, trainers, yeah. that's all of the ancillary staff. So let's just say a hundred people on both sides. That's two hundred people. Yeah. Then you got to have officials. That's six. That's eight, including the chain gang. Okay. okay. You got to have a ball boy. Okay. Now you got to have. If you're gonna have, if it's college, you got to have a a TV crew. So you're talking about close to a thousand people. Now you can be more than that. You can I'm, be, I'm, you being can be more. I'm being conservative. I'm being conservative. So that's for every game. Trust me. I know it's more because I've done I've I've done right. live so television again. Yeah, so I'm just being conservative. Yeah. So you're gonna have at least a thousand people. That doesn't even include the stadium people who are going to have to prep the stadium and get the stadium ready. So let's say twenty five. Let's say a thousand. Let's say let's say a thousand. Let's a thousand say a thousand. Fair. Let's leave it's it there. Fair. So can you guarantee me? Can you guarantee that my son? Wait a minute, are they going to have cheerleaders? Can you guarantee me? There's no guarantees here. There's no guarantees Exactly. At all. Because, again, oh man, it's, it's going to be really tough regardless of how So how are you going to tell me really that, oh, we're going to go ahead and play and your son's going to be at risk, but that's okay. Well, you know what that says to me, and I'm, I'm going to tell you. Ex- I know you're going to. I'm going to tell you exactly what I said ahead, Sunday. Ahead, I mean Saturday on okay. the weekly sports magazine. Y'all really need to listen to this show, okay? That ain't nothing but the slave master saying, "Hey, mm-hmm. if he dies, I need him to pick my cotton, and if he dies." then we're just going to replace them and we're going to move on. Maybe. And here's why I'm saying that. Okay. Because when you look at the, the millions of dollars that they have lost just by college basketball alone, these colleges just – the University of Cincinnati, Cincinnati just cut soccer. 
they're talking about cutting a lot of these ancillary sports now because of the money that was propping them up and that money being propped up by black football and basketball players. So you're going to tell me that it's okay for my son to go out there and risk his life so that I can make sure that that new wing is built or the, pe- or the, the scholarships for volleyball is going to be taken care of. I'm sorry. If I'm a parent, that dog don't hunt for me. It, it, I'm just okay. saying. So let's stay. I'm, I'm going to stay with the NFL. I'm not going to. That's different because they're being paid. They're being paid. They're on the contract. In the NFL, I understand the urgency to get them on the field. In the NBA, I understand the urgency to get them on the field. If you look at the money that you're losing from from not playing these games, then yeah, there is a significant. There's there's reason. There's a strong reason or a strong argument to get them back on the field. Purely based on economics, nothing else. There's no other conversation, right? Now, unfortunately, a majority of football players happen to be black. Majority of football owners happen to be white. So, yeah, we can make that a racial thing. But more than anything, that's economic. These guys are saying, hey, we got payrolls to meet. We have to pay people other than the players. So we need that revenue. And so, I mean, I get why everybody's trying to crank the season back up economically. It just makes good business sense economically. Don't do that, Dave. Don't do that, Dave. I know what you can already do. But economically, it just makes good business sense. I think I'll say that for next time. Yeah, you should say that for next time. I'm going to say that for next time. But, I mean, economically, it just makes good business sense. Now, when you start talking about high school and college kids, totally different ballgame. I don't think there's no way in hell if I had a kid playing any any organized sport, he would be playing right now. That's my point. Not going to happen. See, pro, pros is a different ball game. Pros is a totally different ball game. But when you start talking about a high school, and look, even even the same degree, even though players aren't being paid in college, it's pretty much the same rationale. The the NC two A, even though they're a nonprofit, they are for yeah. profit. Wink, 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 wink. wink. Exactly, they well, are still for profit. Well, they 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 just got blown out of the water last week by the NBA. We'll. we'll We'll, we'll, maybe we'll talk about that on the next hour as well. Yeah, I, you I heard think, about you heard about what do you mean you don't think? I don't think it's going to change. You, everybody's everybody watched the scheme and thought that that would change the whole process. Not going to change. So let me ask you a question. Yeah, I'm Zion Williamson. Mm-hmm. I go to Duke and I have fun. I like college. Have you ever read a scholarship? Yeah. In your scholarship, it tells you you are signing away your rights. Right, you're a slave. Yeah. But but it tells you apparently you didn't hear what happened at the NBA last week. No, what happened last week? They are about to start paying guys, the top recruits, $500,000. Oh, you didn't hear that, did you? Who's doing that? The NBA G League is now the number one recruit out of Los Angeles and the number eight recruit have signed with the G League with guarantees of uh, upwards of $500,000 as payment. He will not be going to college. Oh, by the way, and they guaranteed him that they will pay for his schooling so he can go get his degree. Now, you tell me why I'm going to go. I really like Adam Silver, man. I really like him. I really like that. You hadn't heard about this? I hadn't. Oh boy! I did hear somebody talking See, about you need to listen. You need to listen to Weekly Sports Magazine, <laughs> dog. We, That's we, my bad. We, man, we we breaking news up there, I man. Am, I am news challenged, man. I need to renew my um, newspaper subscription. Mm, I don't know what. But, I, I don't know why. But I'm just saying, I haven't done that yet. In college, ain't no way, and ain't a snowball's chance in hell 
that my son is going to get out on that football field for a college no, team just so you all can have your games. And you can't – if the fans are not good enough to come and you're afraid of them getting sick, then you ought to be afraid of my, my, my student getting sick, my football player getting sick. That's the bottom line on that, man. No, I agree totally. That's I the totally bottom agree. line on that. I totally agree. Coming back, we're going to go take a trip to Amity Island. Amity Island? Yeah. We're going to take a trip to Amity Island. We've got some other stuff. We'll also talk about, did you get your check? Not your stimulus check, but your business check. I'm going to give you some people who got it and reason why you didn't. We'll talk about that coming up here in just a moment. And we might swing back on that issue about that $500 for the NBA. Some of you all don't know about that. That's huge. We'll be back in a moment. It's the top of the hour. You just crippled them. NC2A. Oh, it's it just got real last week. But to me, it makes it's going to make everything else better in my opinion. It, it just got real last week. Okay, yeah. NBA ain't playing. Okay, just going to make everything. You offer better, kid, bro. look, if you offer me a hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars as a kid, and I ain't got to go to college, and you're going to guarantee me a scholarship, boot, dude, I'm gone. Yeah. No. <laughs> Considering where, how some of these kids grow up, man, I'm gone. And I tell them to go. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be back in a moment. This is Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices. The Law Offices of James F. Swindoll provides our clients the personal care and attention that larger law firms cannot offer. Our experienced attorneys have brought hundreds of cases to verdict in state and federal court and recovered millions for our clients. If you or a loved one have been injured or have property wrongfully damaged, we may be able to help. Do not hesitate to contact our firm anytime for a free attorney consultation. Call one 1- 1-800-848-1290. That's 1-800-848-1290. Or email inquiries at arkansas-personal-injury.com. Our law offices are centrally located at 212 Center Street in Little Rock. That's the law offices of James F. Swindoll. Personal injury and products liability attorney serving Arkansas since 1977. Hello to quality time at Marco's. Hello to the best part of the day and to making someone else's. Say hello to late nights and to the best night ever. These are the primo moments, and they call for Italian quality pizza. Dough made from scratch every day. Sauce with a history in the making from the original Giamarco recipe. Say hello to an authentic favorite. Every store, every day, the Italian way. Hello, primo. Hey fans, are you looking for the best chicken wings in the city? Then look no further than Great American Wings, located at 3230 Colonel Glen Road in Little Rock. Getting ready for the big game? It's Great American Wings. Getting ready for dinner for the family? It's Great American Wings. Lunch, dinner, or snacks? It's Great American Wings. No matter the size of your group or the flavor of your wings, Great American Wings got you covered. Call today at 501-406-7134 to place your order. Are you on a tight schedule and don't have time to stop by Great American Wings. 
favorite flavors right to your front door. That's why we are called Great American Wings because we aim to please. Don't miss out on the best wings in the city. It's Great American Wings located at 3230 Colonel Glenn Road right here in Little Rock. Open daily from 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Great American Wings is guaranteed to offer you something that'll tickle your taste buds. You've tried the rest. Now try the best. It's Great American Wings. I'm Rizal Aaron. We invite you to join us for the Power of Justice broadcast every Tuesday and Thursday from 11 a.m. till 12 noon right here at JoyNet Radio Studios where we talk about issues concerning civil rights, human rights, social justice, and all of the areas that impact civil rights and human rights in Arkansas but also across the country. Tell a neighbor, tell a friend every Tuesday and Thursday right here at JoyNet Radio, beautiful downtown Little Rock, Arkansas. We look forward to seeing you on the radio. You got it. England and East Little Rock's answer to your aggravation. The Joy Network. The views and opinions expressed today on Black Focus Radio are not the views and opinions of the station, its management, or its advertisers. Now, let's get ready to focus on our issues, our solutions, using our voices on Black Focus Radio. Welcome to Black Focus, the show designed with our community in mind, where we focus on our issues, developing our solutions, using our voices. Central Arkansas, surrounding areas, and the nation. Get ready. Black Focus starts right now. Phone lines open at 855-525-5683. So here's your host, David W. Coleman and Robert Webb. All right, welcome back to the show. It's Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices, 855-525-5683 is the number. That's how you get in touch with us. Uh, well, no, don't call right now because uh, we got we got a, a VIP on the line. You know what I'm saying? I uh, want to shout out to Patrick Oliver, who has been providing us with some fabulous sister guests. Uh, all this week, all last week, as he celebrates his 23rd anniversary of Say It Loud. Uh, Patrick has done a wonderful job of traveling around the country, making sure that our young people can read. And he's been providing us with some, some great guests. And coming to the show today... I'm just really excited about this sister right here. She even going to spit a little bit for us. Uh, uh, but coming up, Jessica Kara Moore. She is the and also an executive producer. Man, black women rock. Uh, and CEO of More Black Press. You know, I'm, 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 I'm thrilled about it because she's a writer. I'm a writer. And, you know, we, we kind of jihad like that. So welcome to Black Focus Radio, Jessica Kara Moore. How you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm hanging in. You know, the sun is uh, shining. I'm uh, sending uh, regards from sunny Detroit, Michigan, where we are here fighting the good fight. Um, but I'm good. I'm good. You know, it's been a difficult month uh, here in Detroit. Um, and so as a writer and artist, full-time writer and artist, you know, that got grounded with all my other independent sisters and brothers around the country it's um we've been trying to find new ways to connect with people so i appreciate you know you bringing me on the show so i can talk to people about this work this my new book we want our bodies back was released during the pandemic on march 31st on harper collins so that's been you know bittersweet but i'm trying to push people to get to 
local black-owned, women-owned bookstores and and order the book and you know help survive, help you know keep bookstores alive, and also support the book at the same time. So. Well, I, I certainly appreciate that sentiment as well. Uh, just to drop a bug in your ear, uh, get a pencil, reach out to Dr. Rosie Milligan if you have not already uh, in Los Angeles, California. Uh, okay. She, uh, she does a annual book tour. Uh, it's called Black Writers on Tour. She's been doing okay. it for almost 25, well, over 25 years. Obviously, it was okay. postponed this year because of COVID-19, but I'm turning on all, everybody I know, that is one okay. of the best black black book authors. Well, the black authors conventions that I've ever been to, and me being okay. an author as well, I go quite often. So if you call her, just tell her David Coleman, David Coleman sent you, and she'll say okay. So absolutely, uh, thank okay. you for the information. I reach. I've never done it. I'd love to do it. Okay, fantastic. So let's talk a little bit about who is Jessica Care Moore. <laughs> me? Well, I'm a poet. <laughs> I've been a poet for 25 years. Um, traveled all over the world as a poet. I performed in places like South Africa and West Africa and Brazil and all over Europe and South America. And so I've made a living as a as a writer. I've, um, we Want Our Bodies Back is my fifth book. In 1997, I founded More Black Press and started publishing other poets. And I was living in Brooklyn and Harlem. I published Saul Williams' first book. Um, published Raz Baraka, who's our lovely mayor of Newark, New Jersey, right now. And his father was a big mentor in front of my Mary Baraka and Asha Bandali's on the press. And so I'm an institution builder. I, instead of just being a poet, I decided that I would be uh, an institution that would actually support the voices of black poets who weren't getting uh, book deals. And the way that we are able to push through now and finally touch this other, this world of publishing um, where they're seeing us in a different light, finally. But back in the 90s, there weren't any, wasn't really anybody publishing black poets not my friends, not my contemporaries. And so um, and so I became one of those one of those people. And now at Black Rock, uh, 16 years ago, I was pu- producing for the National Black Arts Festival. And cause I love to curate. So I mean, I've always just been an artist, very interested in the voices of other artists and, and pushing talent in front of people. And so I created Black Rock to support and celebrate um, the voice of Betty Davis, who was married to Miles Davis. I was on the Black Rock scene in New York City, uh, so I got a lot of experiences being around people like Vernon Reed, Angela Moore, and Greg Tate. I was in a couple interesting bands that fused poetry with rock, with jazz, and um, and that was another space for me to get to a bigger audience. So just reading poems in bookstores or, or university campuses was one way, but I really wanted to get to larger musical audiences. and. Um, so Black and Rock was one of those spaces for me to support women like Divinity Rocks and Joy and Kimberly Nicole and Sate and uh, Nick West and the list goes on. Liza Kobe sounds uh, these bad, bad black women rock and roll artists who don't really get love on uh, urban radio, uh, who really just plays R&B and hip hop and or white rock and roll stations that only play white boys that play rock or girls. And so... That's, I created this institution that's been around for now for 16 years, and um, you can go to blackwomenrock.com to find out more information about it. And So that's what I do. You know, I'm an activist. You know, I, I love my people. I write for my people. My, my poems are centered in being from a place called Black Detroit, born and raised in this beautiful black city of mine. And I take that, I take that energy everywhere I go and put it into everything that I do unapologetically. And I'm blessed. I'm blessed to be, to have been a, to be an artist this long. And 
it's difficult. That's deep because Jackie Vincent, who's an amazing guitar player out of Austin, Texas, I just did Black and Morocco online, and um, and people all over the world tuned in, and she's an incredible guitarist out of Austin. You know, said that the, you know the level, the playing field has been a level now by independent artists now are on the same level. You know, we're all grounded with with Rihanna and everybody else, right? Like, like, you know, Jay Z grounded too. Like nobody's doing concerts, and so this is an opportunity for us you know, who do work very hard independently to stay alive and travel all over the world, but still under the radar in some instances um, to level the playing field so that people can actually take notice of us. So we're taking to social media, and we're using our social media outlets for to find more audience. And so that's, you know, that's me. I'm a mom. I've got a great son here. He's 13 years old. King is a buddy musician, piano player, and poet. I have a stepson, Omari Jazz, who's 25, a music producer out of Portland, and I've raised a lot of kids and mentored a lot of young people. And so that's me, I guess. There's a lot to it. <laughs> There's layers. Well, it, it's certainly a lot to it, and that that's a good thing. That's And and certainly my co-host and I, we're just listening, and uh, it, it's good to hear a sister who is unabashedly a black sister. You know, uh, yeah. it, it doesn't seem that you compromise. But I'm asking this question for a, a young lady here, and she's not – I hope she's listening – but she is okay. an extreme talent, and I don't know if she's realized how talented she is yet. That's what good. would you say to a young sister who has extreme talent, who is trying to see her way through in your genre to be successful? Mm-hmm. Where does she start? What is the best things, some of the, the things that she could do? She's a poet. She's a poet, and she's darn good. And let me just give you an example. She won the uh, Lupus of Arkansas talent show last year and okay. didn't think that she would win it. No one had ever heard her before. Right. It was at my pushing her to get into the show, and mm. she rocked it. But that wasn't the only thing. But she's darn good. But that's great. You know, what I like, with you, how you're describing her, is that she doesn't, know that she's good that's usually a sign of someone being really good <laughs> so the people who kind of think that they're good usually are not that good <laughs> and so she's already humble which is like makes for a master of the craft and so what i would say to her or anyone that's listening that's trying to do any sort of art form is that you know you have to practice this thing and that it, there is a balance between gift and craft you know you can be gifted but um you also have to know craft you have to study and that you have to know that people are better than you. You have to read everybody. You have to know that, you know, you have to try to aspire to, like, get to those 30 books that, you know, uh, look at that with Sonia Sanchez's, you know, work. Look at Nikki Giovanni's work or Alice Walker and June Jordan and Jane Cortez. Like, look what other people before you have done. Um, not so that you can copy, just so that you know that it has been done <laughs> and so that you can see how well it's been done and how you can take it and just find your own voice in it. So it's really about being true to yourself and being the student. I'm always a student. You know, I'm only still here because I know that I'm not the best. I know that I, I could be better, and I am my biggest critic. And um, no matter how many times people clap, and I've been getting claps um, for 20-something since I was 19 years old, people have been clapping for me, clapping, clapping, clapping. But the claps don't mean anything, right? It's just, that's just, a, it depends if it's your mama, your cousin, your, and your people clapping. But you got to really, and you got to find editors, you got to find people to give you real good feedback that tell you the truth. Um, it can't be your cousin, your auntie that says, oh, she's the greatest poet. It's got to be, at some point, you know, you got to go outside of your, your your personal circle and get some professional feedback on your work. I love to, to, to hear it, 
to read it or whatever, you know, if you connect it with me. And and that's what it is. And it's about knowing that you can always be better and staying humble in the work and, um, and then you'll be great. But making sure that you read everything, you know, especially if there's a focus on performance, that's making sure that she's like reading lots of poetry from lots of different types of folks and learning the craft. So you can, you know, and Dazaki Shange, I said, had a wonderful quote that I'm sure I'm messing up about. You have to learn the structure of the language so that you can destroy it. And so this language that was here to, you know, oppress us, that was forced on us, is the language we must use to, to save ourselves. But you also have to learn the tools. And so there's a balance in that. And so, yeah, just being well-read and um, and knowing your contemporaries, know who came before you and understanding that, and then just that that would be enough. And if you already have the gift and you're working at it, then your voice will come through. Well, that's fantastic. And even if she may not be listening, she's going to hear this piece sometime today. I, I promise good. you, because she's 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 really really good. Yeah, so, what's her great. name? Uh, what's the she? Well, let me let me just tell. I I, I was gonna let me. Her, she goes by the name of Oya Orisha. Okay, beautiful. Oya okay. the walking poet. Oya the walking poet, and she's a bad girl. And I've okay. I've seen a lot of talent. Uh, and I'll I'll make sure she tunes in if she can this evening to your broadcast with Patrick as well. And uh, I have your number if it's okay. I might try to hook you all up. But you know, sure. uh, but she's she's fantastic. So let me let me ask you, Jessica and Robert, if I'm hogging her because yeah, go ahead and hog her because I'm I'm coming after this. Okay, w- one w- other regardless. question: When it when did it hit you that you said, "Damn, I'm good." Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean. You know, my first time I read a poem out in front of people was at my daddy's funeral in 1994. And I read a poem from my daddy called Breeze. And my daddy meant the world to me. And afterwards, people were asking, all my family members and extended family were asking for copies of the poem. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll give you a copy of the poem. And, and then, you know, I started reading on the open mics and I was getting a lot of responses. And then I moved to New York City and that's when everything changed. Like the New York City, I moved to, to Brooklyn and I was in New York for five months. But when I first went to New York City, I had met the last poets already, Abu Dhun and Umar Ben Hassan, who are now like my babas. And um, I'd met them in, in Detroit and they said, you ever come to New York, you call us. So I went to New York and I actually auditioned for Sony Music right on the street, right on 125th Street. There was a tent set up and they had an audition for some talent thing. And I was there as a tourist with my family. My cousin was graduating from NYU. And I went into that tent and I signed up and they said, well, it's $20. So I gave them $20 and I did these poems. And these, and I had never performed in New York City before. I was 22, you know, fresh off the bus, really. And these folks went crazy. And I was like, oh, okay. So that New York, you know, really gave me that response that I hadn't felt in a real big way, even in Detroit. You know, I knew I was doing well in Detroit. People liked my work. But that explosion um, from New York was just kind of crazy. And I got booked on a show. I ended up staying in New York for another week. Biggie was there. All kinds of folks were, like, in the audience. And I tore that mug down. It was a talent showcase, but they brought me on as a special guest. And then five months later, I auditioned for the Apollo. And then my life changed. Um, I did the Apollo, and and some things moved in the universe, <laughs> you know, in 1995, I might, yeah, I became an Apollo legend. I won five weeks in a row. I mean, I remember Steve Harvey and and everyone, Ray Chu and the crew and Kiki Shepard, just everyone was so excited that I was just this poet and I was beating everybody. And I came real humble. Like, I really didn't expect to win um, Showtime at the Apollo. And at that time, it was one of the most popular shows on television. It came on, like, right after midnight. So everyone in New York City knew who I was, and I was still learning how to ride the train. 
because anyone who worked at a wait as a waiter or worked the subway system, anything late night, they all watch, everyone watched the Apollo then, and um, and every musical artist was the guest for the night. I think the Fugees were a guest that night. Brandy was there when I won. Paul Mooney was there. It was bananas, you know, and and so I think that's when I figured out something was happening <laughs> that was kind of special, and um, I haven't really looked back to the Showtime. That Apollo stage really, you know, pushed my career really into the stratosphere, and, and I've been reinventing myself and working hard at craft and uh, writing multimedia shows and interdisciplinary shows and theater and all kinds of work to, to keep my art alive and becoming a better writer. So I never let any of it go to my head. I just use it as an opportunity to, to do more institution building and working on myself being, being better. So. Hey, that's great. That's great. I just hate I didn't get to see you on the Apollo. Now I got to go try to find it. I got to go try to find that clip. Yeah. But tell yeah, me. Yeah, I won five weeks in a row. I'm the youngest. Five I'm weeks like, in a row? I think the youngest living Apollo legend. And no one's ever won more than five weeks before. I was the only one ever. See, you didn't say that. You are modest. You Man, didn't say that. Five weeks in a row. That's amazing. Yeah, they kicked me off. I was getting dressed on my sixth <clears> week. And I. Um, and they came, the producers came back and they said, um, no, we're going to retire you. It was so funny because, <laughs> you know, black folks, we don't really leave. Like, they say you're supposed to leave. But after they, they were waiting for that sixth taping, and Steve Harvey came out and was like, no, Jessica, we know she won, but we're going to we we're gonna retire her so she can just respectfully, you know, say goodbye. Because, you know, they, they didn't know what to do with me because nothing like that had ever happened before. So it's pretty incredible. The poem was Black Statue of Liberty was the poem that I read. And the other poem that I did, I begged to do a second poem. After the second, I did it a second time and won again with the same audience. And so I begged, begged Maxine um, Lewis at the time, who was the person that casted me, to say, can I please do a different poem? I have a poem called Black Girl Juice. And she said, as long as it's appropriate. And I said, it is. It's, it's, not, it's not a sexual poem. It's an appropriate poem. It's an uplifting poem. And I did it and I won again. And came back the next day, one, two more times. It was just absolutely Jeez. crazy. Hey, but so I always say my daddy was my wing, my my wind beneath my wing. You know that that old cliche, but that's that's the truth. You know, it, I feel like my daddy's energy was with me, and I was just being my Detroit rowdy black self. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's a black audience in New York. I mean, in Harlem, Harlem and Detroit, very. You know, Harlem's just a smaller Detroit, and so I felt very comfortable in that space. You know, and um, and I'm really proud and honored to have that be a part of my history. So, so since you're being so modest, I'm going to ask you to tell us. In mm-hmm. t- 2013, you won the uh, the Alan Lo- the Alan Locke Award. Tell us a little bit about that and how you were nominated and what the award's all about. Mm-hmm. That's the Detroit Institute of Arts um, Award. They give it to artists who are um, showing excellence in the field, um, who have a resume that speaks to legacy of, of uh, black community and excellence in doing um, institution building. Um, like Elaine Locke was also, you know, a scholar and educator and innovator um, for our people. And so um, friends of uh, the DIA nominated me. Um, I had no, I knew nothing about it and um, was really honored. I got to guide an award and got to do a presentation. And so it's amazing. I think my friend Sydney James, who's an amazing visual artist here, um, recently got that award, well deserved, and so, yeah. I've been, it took me a long time to start getting. I got. I've been getting smaller awards throughout my years, but recently, you know, I've been able to get Night Arts Award and a Kresge, um, Kresge Arts Fellow. I won a Joyce Award for my theater work, uh, Salt City, the techno choreo poem that I wrote. 
um, about black people in 3071 in the future, futuristic techno choreo poems, all, all techno music from the black techno musicians in Detroit who started the genre and created the music that took it over the entire planet. Um, and so, yeah, that's what that's about. And so, yeah, I've been, that was a big honor. And, um, yeah, awards are nice, you know. <laughs> awards are it's nice. nice to be recognized so, for your hard work, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, I told him Sonia Sanchez made a beautiful comment to me once, you know, we can melt down the awards into uh, money. <laughs> it's just a paycheck, you know, so we can take care of these bills, you know, and uh, and take care of these mortgages. You know, you, we feeling that even more now than ever right now right um and, and what's deep is that you know we're finally being acknowledged as self-employed people because artists are you know full-time artists especially independent ones are not employed by a label not employed by you know um, a major industry and so we when things are hard like they are now we become unemployed and i've went through this with i've never was able to file for unemployment um and i've been times where i needed to um because it was slow um, so unless you're teaching full time and do poetry on the side, um, and I do residency work, really excited about We Want Our Bodies Back. I'm headed to, God willing, uh, Grinnell College in the fall to teach uh, We Want Our Bodies Back curriculum, you know, which is based around a lot of, you know, womanist theory writers and breaking down the collection into really valuable workshops for not just college level, but even high school students. And so, you know, that's where I'm at with the work, building curriculum around it and, that kind of thing. I'm not interested in awards, to be honest. I'm just really interested in like becoming, you know, leaving my work behind so that my legacy is here and that people are able to teach my work later. So little girls that look like me in Detroit and Chicago and New York or whatever public school systems can say that a poet was writing for them. Well, how you can know? you? And, and, you're yeah. gonna leave your work here. Your own, your own Nas is no You did something with Nas. Uh, yeah. You've done something with Jizzy. I mean, how, how can you say that you got plenty of work? I mean, I, I'm I'm looking at everything. I read about everything you did last night. I was thinking about You done blowed up. My goodness. You've yeah, done I'm it. A long, I'm a longevity artist, though. You know, I, I, Nas, yeah, that was in 99. That money gone, you know. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was cool. It was a good check. My, my lawyer made sure I got some money. Um that was that was I opened and closed Nostradamus and Nas actually told me that I want you to be the first and the last thing that people hear on the album, which I thought was very amazing because you know rappers don't be you know really <laughs> they're really in their in their feelings and their narcissism and he really wasn't like he really was humble and very kind and right. so I had a good experience working with Nas and Jeezy was interesting because um, they reached out from his camp to me to be on the album I was like Jeezy. Okay, so I, um, I I actually just recorded yesterday um, for Kareem Riggins' new project. I'm very excited about that. Me and Kareem Riggins had a, I have a track on his poetry suite, um, head not suite, and my song is called Poetry Suite. So people, y'all can check that in your Spotify. It's Kareem Riggins is an amazing drummer, producer from Detroit that works with everybody. He produced Commons. Um, piece in the last album and uh, Nora Jones and worked with uh, Erica Badu and he's just done major major stuff. Really a brilliant brilliant drummer, one of my favorites. So I'm excited and I have an album out with Talib Kweli. So in 2015 I signed with Talib Kweli's Javoti Media. Talib Kweli is one of my favorite people and my one of my best friends. Heard my album that I'd done in Detroit with my incredible band here, a brother named John Dixon, piano player, and we made this incredible jazz soul project and. My Baba Roy Ayers is on that record. 
um, Jose James is on it, Ursula Rucker. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did you yeah. say your father, Roy Ayers? I said my father. He one of my teachers. You know, oh, oh, my okay. You know, he my, hey, my daddy. He's my, um, he's one of my <laughs> teachers. One of my, he's my friend. Been friend with Roy for a long time. Collaborator. I've done a lot of shows with him over the years. He would put me just on stage if he saw me in the audience and just bring me up. Man, I love me some Roy Ayers. Who doesn't? Oh, I love him. We're supposed to we got a concert together in Detroit in July. So we don't know if it's, con- it's concert of colors, if it's canceled or not. But we were, we were set to play together. So I don't know. Yeah, he's playing vibes on the record called You Want Home. And that's when Jose James is singing on it. And it's a beautiful record. But the, the album is called Black Tea, The Legend of Jesse James. And that poem, interesting enough, an exit of that poem is actually in the Smithsonian Museum of African American History. If you go to the fourth floor, have you visited the museum in D.C. yet? Have you been there yet? Yeah. Uh, I have not yet, but my son yeah. is moving to Maryland, so it's up and coming. <clears throat> Good. So when y'all go, just y'all, they're going to make you go downstairs, so just get to the fourth floor real quick. <laughs> go see the <laughs> President Barack Obama does the, the, the mic drop, and then they do this beautiful visual montage with all these different artists and voices, and then my voice and text come up and that's an excerpt of the poem you want to so. there that's what's so up. yeah that's a big deal because i didn't know how big the screen was so i got there in my family and i was like oh my god it's huge and so i'm there and then around the corner is a picture of me and most deaf yasin bay now my dear friend yeah. and saul williams dear friend as well we're all there our pictures are together so it's pretty cool you know like to be, be in a, a museum and be Young, <laughs> you know, young enough where you're like, what am I doing in the museum? I'm too, y'all too young to be in the museum. But that's what the beautiful thing about the Smithsonian is, is it is very balanced where you have uh, this rich history that we've contributed to this country, but also, you know, some contemporary work as well. That's what's yeah. up. We got to get you back on because Dave ate up all my time because I got more <laughs> questions, but Dave ate up my time. So, but before we let you go. By the yeah. way, when you're listening to Jessica Carol Moore, I mean, yeah. we're, we're in royalty right now. <laughs> we we got to let you spit, my sister. You know, okay. so we got a few minutes to go in this segment. Okay. So oh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'm going to shut up, there. and I'm going to let you okay. do your thing. You just go right okay. ahead. Okay, I'm going to censor my little curse word that's in here, too, just to be nice to your audience and be good. So this is called I Am Not Ready to Die, and you made me want to read it after about the young poet. So this is for some, uh, just an encouragement and some, uh, yeah, for young, for young women artists in the industry. I am not ready to die a little more today. My nails are polished a bright aquamarine. My skin smells like the ocean. In my hair, I'm wearing the flowers he left on my doorstep. Tiger's eye and turquoise are wrapped around my wrist. Do I look like I'm attempting an early death? My headphones sound like Chardet. I wish these new girls would get the hell off the knees and transform a room with some subtle power and grace. Chardet doesn't really dance, poet, and that is the point. When did it become okay to die in this country on our knees? The Walking Dead, a 24-hour day spa. They parade in groups. Hell, I need a massage too, but at what price? I got to stand behind mediocre bars just because the kids rock to it. I get to hear an MC destroy the alphabet more gangster than Endazaki, so I ain't ready to die today. Won't participate in the spirit massacre of our children. My throat is on fire. My pen is hot. Endazaki is dead. Endazaki never died. I'm more alive in my 40s than most of these wannabe girl inside-out millennials. I've graduated from digital slavery masterclass. I read books without screens. I have sex with my men my age whenever I feel like it. I love my hair, my breasts. I'm clear my powers between my ears and side my chest. 
Black girl magic doesn't grow between our legs. This is a mythology of men. How much to get off your knees, sis? This pen is a knife stabbing out the hearts of dead trees. These trees are already dead anyway, a walking dead urban forest. We are surrounded. So I continue to climb to write because I ain't ready to die today or tomorrow. I'm going to keep living inside poems. You didn't know what left for you. If you just get off the damn floor, you could see all these poems, all this royalty, all this world they attempt to kill you with. It's really your universe to inherit, to change, to rebuild. Get off your knees. Stop crawling for them. Stand up, Queen Latifah, Light, Lauren, Missy Elliott, Left Eye, Bahamadia, Rodiger, Roxanne, Rhapsody, K. Valentine, Mama Soul. Microphones are not stripper poles. Sonia, Audrey, Maya, Endazaki, Jane, Lucille, Nikki, Nikki, Tony, Asha, Stacey, Annie, Kira, Mahogany, Elizabeth, Lisa, Michelle, me, us. We need you to stop dying. Stop dying. Stop dying to be less than who you are destined to be. We need you to outlive death in all its forms. Live, live, live so patriarchy can finally die. That's it. Damn. That's what I got. My sister. My sister. <laughs> <laughs> what up? Yeah. What up? what up? Detroit is in the building. <laughs> no doubt. No, no doubt. doubt. No doubt. All right. I Let's... really want to get her, but okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. I just got to take what I can get. Hey. We'll call you back tomorrow. You can give us that. Hey, hey, Jessica. Y'all call me back anytime. I'm, I'm home. <laughs> I'm home <for> a <laughs> so, so you got plenty of time now, right? <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I've been online a lot. I got an actually a three o'clock to another get off the phone with y'all, and uh, yeah, another interview that Patrick has set up for me. So I'm excited to do that. And yeah, and I got an Instagram show. Actually, people want to follow me on Instagram, Jessica Care More. I have an Instagram Tuesday night where I'm bringing on some of my celebrity and activist guests every Tuesday at seven. So y'all can find me on Instagram. Well, that's fantastic, Jessica. Hey, thank you, my sister, for gracing us. Gracing Black Focus Radio. You have blessed us today, and uh, I am going to turn Oya on to you uh, because, uh, you know, she's a she's a young sister who's trying to see her way through this thing, and yeah. uh, maybe you can, you know, offer us some suggestions or some guidance. So, she's going to be just fine. Hey. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, well thank you again for joining us today, and we'll definitely be listening at 3 as well, okay? Hey, before okay, you go, right. if you don't mind, you. tell us tell us, tell us, us what we can uh, check out your stuff. If you, if you got anything that we can yeah, buy your book. If we can buy your book. Tell us who we can go to get all that. You can go to jessicacaremore.com. I have vinyl there. I have my older books there. We Want Our Bodies Back is available in all platforms where you buy books. So if you want to go to Amazon, you can. If not, you get it at a local bookstore. The links are all at jessicacaremore.com. All right, Miss Moore. You did your thing all today. Right. You go right ahead, Thank sister girl. All you. right. <laughs> all right. Hey, thanks a lot, and we love you, okay? okay All right, bye-bye. Love you too, Sister Peace. That's what I'm talking about. That's what's up, man. I mean, we got to do something for Patrick. Patrick hooking us up, man. He's some great, man. He's some great talent, man. Some great talents. No doubt about it, man. This has just been fantastic this entire year. So uh, this entire week, I should say. So, again, uh, say it loud, loudly, uh, speak loudly with Patrick Oliver. Uh, they are celebrating their 23rd year of existence, and they're doing a great thing. And they kind of made me, oh, y'all, if you're listening, I didn't mean to call your name, but they kind of made me call your name. But I called yeah, your name. give us a shout out. Uh, you know, don't but be, don't I, be holding back on. Oh, I yeah. called your name because I recognize your talent, you know, because after all, it was me who told you to get in the talent show. <clears throat> anyway.
So yeah, Dave. How what can I say? That? You know, How so that, I hey, I can I recognize talent. Now, I ain't got much, but hey, I can recognize it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we always can see what we ain't got. Uh, right? That's what I'm saying. I can say, well, I knew her when I turned her on to so and so, so and so. But anyway, we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, I, I do want to take a trip to uh, Amity Island. So I hope you'll enjoy this. Amity Island. Robert's going to go along with us as well. And uh, you'll I'm underst- not going to go to Amity. I'll tell you what, when y'all get back, call me. No, you got to go with us, man. No, nah, I'm not going to go. Come on, man. man. Don't be a spoiler. Sport. I don't go nowhere where it's Amity. Okay. You see, you, you worried about Amityville Horror. I don't want no Amity player. You know, Amity has been having some tough times. Holla back. back holla so. back when you finish. So we'll take a quick break. Holla we'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices. On JoyNetRadio.com. Hey fans, are you looking for the best chicken wings in the city? Then look no further than Great American Wings, located at 3230 Colonel Glenn Road in Little Rock. Getting ready for the big game? It's Great American Wings. Getting ready for dinner for the family? It's Great American Wings. Lunch, dinner, or snacks? It's Great American Wings. No matter the size of your group or the flavor of your wings, Great American Wings got you covered. Call today at 501-406-7134 to place your order. Are you on a tight schedule and don't have time to stop by Great American wings don't fret call us up and we'll deliver your favorite flavors right to your front door that's why we're called great american wings because we aim to please don't miss out on the best wings in the city it's great american wings located at 3230 Colonel glenn road right here in little rock open daily from 10 a.m to 9 p.m great american wings is guaranteed to offer you something that'll tickle your taste buds you've tried the rest now try the best it's great american wings Did you know that 9 out of 10 people like chocolate? And the 10th person always lies. If you're that 10th person, guess what? We've got the special place for you. It's Coco Bell Chocolates. Coco Bell's handcrafted artisan products inspired by southern desserts for a nostalgic taste. For yourself or for the perfect gift, give us a call at 501-943-7570. That's Coco Bell Chocolates. Find out more about our direct services and ordering at CocoBellChocolates.com. Hello, my name is David Ashley, and I am the host for Real Talk, Real Money. We do this every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock a.m. We hope that you'll join us. Yeah, I want to talk to you about your children, how they can get free money for their education. I want to talk to you about you, how you can start over in your financial health. We want to talk it out. Let's try to figure it out. Real Talk, Real Money. Real Talk, Real Money, every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Join that radio. Be there. Join us. Hey folks, are you looking for a place to exchange ideas and talk about the issues that affect our community? Then join me, David W. Coleman, and my co-host, Robert Webb, for Black Focus Radio every Monday through Friday, noon to 2 p.m. on joinedradio.com. We like to say, it's our issues, our solutions, our voices. Download the latest podcast on your favorite platform. Also catch us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. That's Black Focus Radio. Our issues, our solutions, our voices on joinedradio.com. All right, welcome back to the show, man. I tell you what, Jessica Carroll Moore just just blessed the mic for us. Hope y'all enjoyed that. By the way, you can if you missed any part of that, you can download the app, and I'll be posting the uh, 
show for the podcast soon after the show and you can catch more of it and make sure you spread the word and by the way when you're out there on that uh, podcast platform you can make a donation I'm just saying five dollars a month a dollar a month I don't care hook a brother up alright so this this segment before we get out of here I promise you all that I was gonna we were gonna take a trip to Amity uh, I'm sorry uh, Amity Island and some of y'all may not understand what that means, but you'll get it here in just a moment. Well, what other authority do I need? So technically, you need a civic ordinance or a resolution by a board of select. That's just going by the book. We're really a little anxious that you're, uh, you're rushing into something serious here. First summer, you know. What does that mean? I'm only trying to say that Amity is a summer town. We need summer dollars. If people can't swim here, they'll be glad to swim at the beaches of Cape Cod, the Hamptons, Long Island. That doesn't mean we have to serve them up a smorgasbord. Never had that kind of trouble in these waters. Well, what else could have done that to that girl? Both the belly? Well, I think uh, possibly, uh, yes, a boating That's not what you told me over the phone. I was wrong. We'll have to amend our reports. And you'll stand by that? I'll stand by you. Pardon me. Uh-huh. Summer girl goes swimming. Swims out a little far. She tires. Fishing boat comes along. It's happened before. I don't think you appreciate what the action people have to these things. Mary, I appreciate it. I'm just reacting to what I was told. Pardon It's all psychological. You yell Barracuda. Everybody says, huh? What? You yell shark. We've got a panic on our hands on the fourth of July. Okay, you can check us back now. Five, five. What was that? Oh, dear God. What was that, black man? That was Amity Island. Now, why am I playing I have no the theme from Jaws? I have no idea. Now, that person... That was talking. That was Larry Vaughn. Okay. He's the mayor of Amity Island. And you know, Brody is living on Amity Island. You know, you remember Brody, don't you? Huh? Huh? You remember okay. Brody? All right. Is it getting? Is it coming to you now, Robert? <laughs> I know it took a long time for you to get it, but are you getting it now? So Brody, Brody is on Amity Island, and. That was Larry Vaughn and, of course, the city the city council. And it's summertime. Summertime is when they make a lot of money on Amity Island. All the shopkeepers, the gas stations, the restaurants, all of them that's essential for the economy. And there Brody was. Telling them that that dead body that they found in the water was actually from a shark. Jaws was back, but oh, Larry Vaughn! Oh no, we gotta we gotta get people going back in the water, cause it's gotta save our town. Yeah, where have we heard that before? I get that. Y'all get back in the water. <laughs> Go ahead. Hurry up. <laughs> Go ahead. You gonna need up. a bigger boat. Hurry up. 
Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, some of you young people may not be familiar with Jaws, a classic movie by Steve, um, was it Stephen King? Didn't he write Jaws? I believe so. Classic movie. And, of course, this was the second. This was Jaws 2. And Brody had already dispatched the other shark in Jaws 1, which, by the way, when that movie came out back in the early, late 70s. Peter Benchley wrote Peter Jaws. Benchley, I'm sorry, I don't know why. Uh, Spielberg did the movie itself, I believe, is that correct? When that movie came out, there were people who were literally gagging at that movie because it was so, how can I say it? It was, it was real. Now, for me, I had already read the book. So even the book, that first scene in the book of Jaws where the lady gets eaten uh, is pretty graphic. So Larry and his, his cohorts don't want Brody telling people that he done found a body with a shark that, that was eaten by a shark. That's what that little scene was all about. And, I, and, and I'm saying all of that to say this, is that now Larry Vaughn, who's been having his press conferences every day since this virus took place, is telling you all now that it's okay to go get back in the water. Okay? Don't worry about the shark. Ain't no shark. Virus? What virus? It's okay. Now, I understand the economic implications and all that other stuff. But you little poor folks are going to die. Y'all going to get eaten by the shark. Now, if y'all want to go in the water, y'all go right ahead. I'm going to sit on the beach. And I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna be the one saying, shark. There are some shark! There are some harsh realities in America. Shark. There are some harsh realities in America. Shark. There's some harsh realities shark! in America. Shark. There's some harsh shark! realities in America. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, have I'm you been saying. Have you been watching the Atlanta Child Murders? Man? <laughs> no, I haven't. You gotta check it out. No, I haven't. You gotta I, check it out. I, I can't watch it. Why? I just those. Those kind of show it. It was hard for me to watch uh, when they see us. I just I'm at a point. Even I messed around and watched Detroit. Have you Have you seen it I yet? Have. I I can't watch them anymore, man. I'm too old to be watching you gotta those watch movies. Because our man is in it. Uh, what's his name? Walter. Um, he was on our show. I can't think of his name. Um, came to Atlanta from Atlanta, originally from Detroit. By way, from Atlanta by by way of Detroit. Look, came, look I it can't up. Th- I can't think of his name. What is it? Walter. Um, Walter Hawkins. No, the, the professor. Oh, happy day. Jesus, no, man. Oh, ha- that, not him. The black, uh, uh, he's a black professor of history, of, uh, of I want to say African-American studies, I want to say. I think at Morehouse or Clark one. He was on our show. I can't think of his name. Walter Simi. Jesus. Why don't you look it up? No, nah, man, because this is troubling me. I don't want to start looking stuff up because oh, I don't want to. I don't want to admit my age. Well, well, when when your old man disease subsides, let us know. That'll be probably never. <laughs> you know what? You got jokes today, player. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I hope y'all enjoyed uh, enjoyed uh, uh, Jessica Kara Moore, uh, good sister. But 
you know, I just I just thought it was interesting that all these white people are telling the telling the, you black people to go back to the cotton fields so they can make money. I'm just saying. The COVID-19 is real, by the way. Y'all do know that, don't you? You can catch it. I'm just saying. Oh, by the way, some of you all who were looking to try to get some money for your small business, here's why some of y'all didn't get them. So, by the way, Harvard has a $41 billion endowment. Guess how much money they got? How much? Nine million. Well, I went up to a different pot of money, so. Did you did you hear how much money they have in their endowment? Yeah. What did I say? Um forty one billion. Forty one billion. But what can they spend that on though? I think what they can spend it on is also limited. I mean those that, that money's those monies are earmarked for certain things. For certain so things, right. There's only certain things they mm-hmm. can spend that money on. Mm-hmm. And you don't think <laughs> they can spend some of that money on? I like that. Like, yeah, uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah. Nine nine million. Harvard. Harvard got nine million. I, I told y'all I was gonna tell y'all where some of y'all money went. You know, y'all stood in them long ass lines and wondered why you didn't get any money. You had a small business. Harvard got nine million of it. Shake Shack. Never heard of Shake Shack. You ever heard of Shake Shack? Yeah, I've heard of Shake Shack. I've never heard of Shake Shack until I found out that they got ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. Restaurants shouldn't get any these. Money. Include Potbelly Sandwich Shop and Shake Shack. Upwards. Of, oh, let me take that back. Which has upwards of a hundred million dollars cash on hand. But again. You gotta remember what they're talking about, man. You gotta remember. You gotta remember what they're talking about. Those monies were probably already allocated. How, how much money do they have on hand? It doesn't matter, Dave. A hundred million dollars cash on hand. I think they started feeling guilty, so they gave back their ten million. Who did? Shake Shack. Good for them, because I wouldn't. Okay. Have, I wouldn't. Kurakushi USA Incorporated. The largest revolving sushi chain in the U.S. disclosed a nearly $6 million loan. Operators behind the Ruth Chris Steakhouse and the J. Alexander's restaurant chain received $20 million and $15.1 million, respectively. How many of y'all went and ate at Ruth Chris? How many, uh, raise your hand if you ever eaten at Ruth Chris. Because if you've ever eaten at Ruth Chris, you probably didn't pay the bill. I've eaten at Ruth Chris. And guess what? I didn't pay the bill. Yeah, Ruth Chris is pricey. I've only eaten there a couple times. I will never eat there by choice. <laughs> you are so bougie. I will never eat there by choice. Uh, I got to eat there because of my affiliation with uh, sports in Nashville. Got to eat there twice. I will twice. never eat there. <laughs> no. But That's, they got they got Ruth Chris got twenty million. Okay. That's an easy hundred dollars by yourself. Don't take nobody with yep. you. Easy. Easy. So the question is, how they getting that money? Y'all did. How 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 is it that 
Bobby Ray's barbershop didn't get any. Bobby well, Ray ain't working. But do we know if they applied, though? You can't say that. Bobby Ray ain't working. You can't say that, Well, Dave, I, I, don't I can apply. say that. You can't when, say that, when, uh, Okay. Statistically speaking, okay. only 5% of small businesses actually got any so, of that money. You got to remember, too, Dave, you're talking about um, four pools of money. You're not just talking about mm-hmm. one pool of money. You're talking about four pools mm-hmm. of money. Now, there's a pool for small guys like me. You get in? Our pool. You get in? Have I, did I get any? Uh-huh. I haven't get, Well, you got to remember. Did you get any? Are you going to listen? Uh, okay. It's, it's, these easy. Guys it's a yes or no question, These sir. guys got loans. They got loans. Did you I get went, any? I went through SBA. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've been getting my notifications. Mm-hmm. But again, we're talking about four pools of money. You still haven't answered the question, sir. So what's the question? Did you get any? I said we're currently going through the process, my friend. You ain't got any. I said we're currently going you, through You the ain't going to get any. Okay. You know why? Because I'm going to tell you like the guy said on MSNBC, who was a small business owner this morning, he said, they took me through the process. Just like you said, I went through the process. They gave me a, 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 a number, whatever that confirmation number is. And the next time I heard back from them was, they're out of money. That's kind of where you are. Not to burst your bubble. You got you got that look of optimism on your face. <laughs> Don't want to hurt your feelings, <laughs> but y- you'll be hearing back from them, and it's not going to be what you're hoping. I'm just saying. Now, unless your congressman and your senators, Arkansas Fritz Pollard and 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 Tom Piccadilly, whatever his name is, decide that you deserve more money, then the application process was just a joke. I'm uh, Can- Candy Lowe, who's in. Uh, she's got a small business there. She didn't get in either, according to her. Mm. You know. Mm. So, and then of course, and and I'll tell you why you probably didn't get any because for your if you're banking it, if you're trusting your favorite bank, I just told you about Harvard. But if you're trusting your favorite bank, you all know our favorite bank, who's behind every crooked scheme that has ever affected the American people. Lawsuits allege that Wells Fargo, where have we heard that name before? (laughs) You wrong, man. Weren't they the ones who were part of the savings and loan scandal? Weren't they the bank that was creating fake accounts or dual accounts for their uh, account holders. Well, not that bank. That was them. Hmm. That was them. Hmm. Lawsuits allege Wells Fargo unfairly shuffled paycheck protection program applications. Paycheck Protection Program? That's the name of the program that you applied for. I didn't apply for that one. Okay. So a California-based company filed a class action lawsuit against Wells Fargo, citing unfair actions against small businesses seeking government-sponsored coronavirus release uh, relief funds. In March, the Secretary of Department announced, and we know about all that, the lawsuit filed on behalf of small business owners on Sunday alleges that Wells Fargo unfairly, uh uh-oh, unfairly prioritized 
They're applicants when it was supposed to be on a first come, first serve basis. Mm-hmm. That's how it's supposed to be. That's why you don't let them fill your application out. You fill your application out online. You can't. <laughs> you missed it. You can't rotate me online. Yeah, yeah, they can. No, you can't. There's someone who reads your application. Yeah, but you know what? I got I got a receipt and a submission. Date. It don't matter. Yeah. Well, apparently these people do too. That's, they, but they went to the bank. That's how that's they totally know. Different. Well, they went to either the way, they didn't go to it. They didn't do theirs online. Why is Wells Fargo? Because that's what they do, man. Still in business. About that money, bro. Yeah, about that money. Ain't you about that money? Which reminds me. You pay child support? Robert, you pay child support? Every day of my life. Okay, so if you pay child support and you're expecting to get your $1,200, although you poor, you need money, you got to pay bills, you got to pay rent, you got to eat, you got to put gas in your car, you got to take little Johnny to the circus. You got to take him to McDonald's and watch watch him as he play in that insipid uh, uh, playroom that McDonald's has that I just hate. You got to do all that. But, you know, you they're going to take your child. They're going to put that money on child support. So if you're one of them brothers that's been out there kicking it like a fat rat old school style, thinking that, hey, I'm a party. It's 420. We're going to kick it on 420. Uh, no, you're not, because they taking your child support. Mm-hmm. They taking your twelve hundred dollars. Now, here's what's sad about this, and some people out there will say, "Hey, well, that's right. That they they deserve that." Mm-hmm. The sad thing about it is that the majority of the people that are paying child support can't afford to pay child support. These young brothers out here who are struggling, who are now laid off, who may have been working at McDonald's who may have been working at Burger King or at the local truck stop. They hurting just like everybody else. Now, this little soliloquy that I'm putting out ain't going to make a difference. But this is the disrespect that a lot of fathers get. Because at the end of the day, let's say, let's say, let's say he's not the deadbeat because the true story is that the average father pays their child support on time. We only hear about the deadbeat dads. We don't hear about those guys who are struggling every day. He just got slapped. I'm just saying. But fortunately here in Arkansas, that's changing as of July 1st. They are going to start considering the income of the mother as it relates to how much child support fathers will have to pay. And that's long overdue. I'm just saying. Don't get mad at me. I'm just a bearer of the news. Don't hate the play. I hate the game. All right. We got to get out of here. I hope you all enjoyed the show. want to thank Ferranda Brassfield for taking a little time out of her schedule to talk to us about what's going on in Arkansas and the lack of transparency as it relates to inmate death. You may not know anyone from Cummins. You may not have anyone from Cummins, but I guarantee you, you got a friend who knows someone in Cummins who may have even had a relative in Cummins. 
And if you're so callous to believe that, hey, they're, they should have done a crime so they can die, then go look in the mirror right now and bang your head up against the wall. All right, Robert. Ready? It's going to take a minute. This right here is from uh, Francis Glenn Miller. Francis Scott Key. Francis Glenn Miller. Is that the guy who played the trumpet? It's called, do, a, do, white, do, 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 it's called do, do, do. a White Man Speaks Out. So y'all ready? Here we go. It says, no matter, how much, no matter how much Steve and I preached about staying legal, much of these men never believed us, and some would grin or wink as we spoke. They thought the KKK was like the Klan group their grandfathers belonged to back in the 1920s and 30s when members could get by with just about anything. The ignorance about the KKK extended to the masses of people as well. I received hundreds of phone calls from people wanting me to go down and assault this or that person for wrongs perceived by the callers. One 65-year-old white man called, and after informing me his wife of 67 had left him and moved in with a younger man, demanded that I get some men together, and the caller put it, go clan them, meaning to commit some violent act against them, upon them. A black girl from uh, Angiers called once, saying her boyfriend was dating a white girl, and asked me, what you gonna do about it? Another elderly white lady called and said that her black maid was still in her jury, as if that was a classic crime for which the KKK should render traditional and just clan punishment. It's really incredible. That's from your clan folk. They're from your clan folk, Dave. I'm from your homeboys. Again, that's from Francis Glenn Miller. A white man speaks out. All this week, I'm going to be bringing y'all clan quotes. So y'all get ready for it. Peace. Clan quotes. Okay. We didn't talk about the Asians and the racism, but we will talk about that tomorrow. And we didn't talk about the, the, the two young students who are in uh, Carrollton, Georgia, who posted the racist video and is now crying because... Y'all ruined her life. We'll definitely talk about that tomorrow as well. Uh, so um, um, here's my quote. Please don't call them protesters. They're terrorists. Protesters don't carry AK-47s, wave swastika flags, or block ambulances. Y'all have a great day. Peace. You've been listening to Black Focus, where we discuss our issues with our solutions and our voices. Join us every weekday afternoon at 1 p.m. on joinetradio.com.